This is Shivani Samaya, and welcome back to the Financial Executives Podcast. Two years ago, COVID-19 disrupted many parts of the economy, forcing businesses to quickly transition their workforce to a remote work model. But for financial institutions, the challenge lay not within a remote work model pivot, but rather their ability to maintain an effective payment system. Often dubbed as the lifeblood of the financial system itself, payment services are evolving. For that reason, as part of our longer ongoing forward thinking series, we are excited to host a conversation with Christy Carstensen, Chief Financial Officer of Payment Services at US Bank. Christy, I always believe it's important to level set the conversation. And I think today we'd like to do that by deep diving into your career. And so my first question to get everyone acquainted with your career and your background is, how does a CPA at KPMG go on to becoming the CFO at one of the largest banking institutions in the United States? Well, thank you, Shivani, and and good afternoon to everybody in attendance. Thanks for inviting me to this conversation, and it's it's great to be with you all, albeit virtually. Um, You know, I think taking a step back even before KPMG, from early on, there really is a common thread throughout my career, um, and that has to do with my desire to have a direct and positive impact on people. Um, no matter what I'm doing, I, I want to uh, see impact. And so that led me to medical school. To, I thought I was going to be a pediatrician, um, but I quickly learned through um, a, a college job that the emotional lift of, of a frontline healthcare worker was probably not for me. Um, and so as I thought about what could be next, I was advised to pursue a degree in accounting. It was a very flexible degree. And it was a vital skill set for healthcare administration, which I was certain that's where I would land on, on the backside of the healthcare um, industry. And so upon graduation, I joined uh, KPMG and, uh, and the industry they assigned me to was another unforeseen pivot. I asked um, to participate in as much healthcare audit as I could, and I was assigned financial services, specifically banking. Um, and, and I realized quickly that I loved banking. Um, I realized the role that banks do play in our communities, with our businesses, um, with people. And I decided this was a space um, for me, a space where I could contribute to the greater good at a systemic level um, and meet my career goals and objectives at the same time. So from KPMG, I joined Federal Home Loan Bank of Des Moines. Um, and once again, I was drawn there because of its mission, which in short, is to provide liquidity to members in support of housing, uh, housing finance, and community investment. Um, after Federal Home Loan Bank, I joined U.S. Bank, starting in our Community Development Corporation, which is the um, tax credit and community investment subsidiary of U.S. Bank. And that brings me to today, where I am our payment CFO. Um, and as payments CFO, I like to view our team really as a catalyst of strategy. Um, I work closely with our head of payments. I partner with payments leadership. I partner with leadership throughout the bank um, and focus on the strategic direction of payments, um, aligning resources and investments um, such that we remain relevant 
to the evolving uh, payments landscape, as well as meet the needs of um, consumers and businesses in the coming decade. I must say, I'm very blown away by the diversity of our speakers at career backgrounds for this quarter of forward thinking. It's truly amazing to see how destiny can play a role in how one's career unfolds. And on the topic of um, relevance and the evolution of payment services, the focus of our conversation is on payments. And this is a topic that is very near and dear to our audience that consists primarily of finance executives. And so as the CFO of U.S. Bank's payment group, can you please describe for us why the payments business is a huge area of focus for you all right now? Um, so it's, it is a, an incredibly exciting time to be part of the uh, payments business um, within U.S. Bank. And payments is a focus. Uh, it's a differentiator for U.S. Bank. We're as of uh, 2Q, we're 27% of the bank's net revenue. Um, payments activities are vitally important to customers and businesses. Um, and, and, our, and the payments business itself is a business with a growth mentality. Um, so the, the, and the pandemic lit a spark for what was already a rapid development of payments innovation. So you combine all of those things and our work is valuable to businesses and, con and consumers. Uh, there's a high demand from all customers uh, for more efficient payment systems for real time, easy to use. Um, and payments delivers to that. Payments are instant, 24 seven, 365. Uh, you don't need to wait for banking hours. So it's not an eight to five um, process. Funds are immediately available. Um, payments are becoming more and more embedded and integrated into the experience, um, which helps companies uh, manage their business, helps companies be agile, helps us all uh, from an efficiency uh, perspective, and it positions companies for growth. And it's also about um, connecting data with the payments activity. So, so using APIs to integrate that payments data uh, into how we run the business, uh, combining that with digital capabilities and, and enabling us to utilize that data um, as, as a powerful asset in the decisions that we make and how we show up um, for whomever we're serving, depending on, the, on your business or if you're a consumer. So at, at US Bank, uh, we talk a lot about our payments and banking ecosystem. And what do we mean by that? We, it's, it's about weaving together our banking products and our payments products and delivering a comprehensive product set to help businesses run their business in a simple, easy to use um, dashboard. And so we see this as a real opportunity um, to both deepen our existing relationships, so, so existing client relationships, extend the use of products and services across US Bank, as well as acquire um, new customers. And so as a finance leader, all those things are exciting, all those things are fast, all those things are developing in front of us. And I get to help make these things a reality by pointing our investment strategy and resource prioritization to uh, what we believe is important here and now for our customers. 
you touch upon integration and digitization, which I believe might lead into some of the conversations that we're going to have. But for now, I'm a little curious to know when it comes to your corporate customers, what are you noticing as their priority uh, in terms of processing payments? You know, it, it's it's about simplicity. It's about speed. It's about efficiency. We're all chasing efficiency. How do I do things faster? How do I do things um, in a more efficient, less costly way? And um, you know, when you think about how we behave as a as a consumer, we can easily send money to our friends and family. Our phone is our asset. We take our phone out. We pay for something. We take our phone out and we transact with our family with our friends. And um, that's what businesses are looking for. Business to business, business to consumer, consumer to business. The payment systems utilized on the business side just haven't evolved at the same pace as the consumer side. And so they aren't as efficient as consumer um, payments. So, you know, as a bank and an industry, I think we've made significant progress in delivering these more efficient uh, processes to businesses with payments becoming more instant, embedded, and connected. Um, and we recognize there's still a lot of work to do to remove um, remove the friction, remove pain points uh, for our businesses. I think you know recent estimates uh, still indicate that the percentage of B2B payments made by check is still 40%. 40%. So that causes many obvious challenges and also indicates the opportunity that exists. Um, the, the check payments are more expensive, they're less secure, billers have less visibility into when they will receive payment. There's a lot more manual work required with that, uh, with a check and the list goes on. So, you know, the, the pandemic further highlighted the drawbacks to paper-based payments. And, and I certainly don't expect um, check to completely go away, but, you know, the expectation is that the payments by, Jack, by check would continue to decline. And so then the question is whether companies are replacing that payment with, with something more efficient. Um, and, and beyond paper, um, the, the other electronic forms, ACH, wire, et cetera, um, can be more expensive. You don't necessarily get the data for reconciliation um, that, that other um, payment rails may offer, specifically real-time. So when we think about real-time payments, um, it's gone a long way in removing the pain points, the friction that I just talked about. It's the first new payment rail in almost 40 years, and it's transforming the payment experience. We can see it transforming the payment experience for our businesses, for customers, for payees, for employees. And uh, at US Bank, we participated in the, the first ever payment on the RTP network, and we're also now one of the top senders of, of RTP transactions in the US. And it's, it's, we're hearing it's such an improvement for so many reasons and so valuable um, to the users for so many reasons. Obviously, it's instant. So funds are available immediately. Um, it's certain, every payment is final. It's always on. I talked about the 24 seven, 365, nothing gets in the way, nights, weekends, holidays. Um, and so, you know, I think we're seeing RTP adoption in, in several areas. And the use cases increase seemingly like every day. Um, 
in, in the back office processing and transaction work, streamlining back office payments, um, merchant funding. In the past, small businesses, you'd wait days to receive your funds from daily sales. With real-time payments, small businesses uh, have their funds in their bank account on the same day, including nights and weekends. Now, in the auto industry, uh, consumer when a consumer used to take out, would take out an auto loan, the dealership would often wait days to receive those funds. With real-time payments, we're now delivering the funds immediately after the consumer is approved for the loan, uh, even on nights and weekends. Um, we've also worked with um, uh, driveway.com, and that has enabled consumers who sell their vehicles on the platform to be paid before the car even leaves their driveway. So there's so many examples and advantages that are that are um, underway in payments. I think if I were to boil it down, it comes down to what I've talked about, simplicity, ease of use, and enabling businesses and consumers alike to transact effectively and efficiently. Um, and then all while using the data to be smarter about how we go about our business. Simplicity and efficiency, from my perspective, are synonymous with growth. And on the topic of growth, there seems to be a great deal of conversation surrounding the consumerization of payments. Can you explain and describe what that really means and what the implications are for traditional corporate customers? Yeah, sure. Um, so I mentioned this a little bit earlier as well. Consumers, we want easy to use tools in the office, like outside of work. Um, I mentioned the power of our, our phone and it's seeming like everybody pulls that out of a pocket. It's at our fingertips. You don't see many people not walking around with it in your fingertips. And to me, that's the consumerization of payments. That's what it's about. Uh, one of my colleagues has said that, you know, you go home and, and you're watching TV on all your streaming devices and then you go to work and you've got a black and white TV. Um, and so it's, it's, the, it's that expectation that's being built in us as consumers that we're bringing to work and it's driving changes. Um, we're seeing this one real uh, example is in travel and expense tools, um, accounts receivable programs. Um, I talked about real-time B2B uh, payments. And, and so, you know, I think that a good of the pandemic is the spark that it lit and the speed at which we're now developing um, behind this, this payments innovation. Um, a, Another example in this space um, that's that's really near and dear to the pandemic is, uh, as all employees were sent home in the spring of 2020, um, we started to hear from our corporate credit card clients that they needed ways to more quickly provide their now remote-based employees ways to make purchases. So you didn't have that office exchange anymore. So um, home office equipment, how do I purchase that? Um, without using my, my personal credit card and then there being this huge reconciliation that, that corporates and, and businesses need to do on the back end because of that. On-site, so there were still on-site employees, but not your regular setup in some cases who were now needing to purchase PDE and cleaning equipment. And so to meet this need, uh, we actually, we were already developing, but we accelerated our development. And in June of 2020, we launched the US Bank Instant Card. So it's a virtual corporate card that um, provides that fast, efficient way for employees, contractors, external consultants to make authorized purchases and um, and kind of support that, that business continuity. 
So we've certainly accelerated investment in this space. I've talked about several examples um, that highlight that, not only with us, but in the industry. Um, and, and, and we'll continue developing innovative products faster because of this increased demand that we see in the convenience and the efficiency that, that we're all desiring because we experience it on the consumer side of, of our activity. How has the role of the accounting professional changed in the financial services sector? It, you know, it's changed a lot. Um, and, and for the same reasons that I've talked about how payments is changing, it's the digitization of everything and the pace of change. Those two things have really influenced how I show up as a, as a finance professional, how my team shows up as finance professionals every day. Uh, for certain, we remain the economic guardians responsible for effective and efficient financials, finance functions, control environments, et cetera. And on top of that, we've added just such a focus on the advisory capabilities that, that we bring um, and that end up driving business value through prioritizing resources and investment. And those resources and investment are all focused on, on driving growth and business value for our customers and throughout the organization. Um, so, and I think on top of that, the, the pace of change. So we're moving at a pace that requires us to um, support decisions in a more effective way, which in, in my experience, it's really driving more and more data-driven decisions. Um, and so focusing on data and insights, as well as scenario analysis. So providing a range of options to look at because the pace that we're moving, I don't have time to look, study, come back, adjust, look, study, come back, adjust. I now need to think ahead as a finance professional of what are the range of scenarios that could that we could potentially look at and how do I deliver those out of the gate such that when I'm making a decision, that decision is, inform is informed by that range of, of scenarios. Um, so pace is like no other. Um, um, the, the way in which we make the decisions has transformed and, and our contribution, our seat at the table in being the voice of, of what is part of driving the growth has elevated. You talk about digitization and the pace of change, uh, but not only have they propelled the accounting role today, they play a huge role in the current status of the, the global and domestic economy. More recently, there have been increasing discussions around the possibility of an upcoming recession. What are or what will be the implications for the payments ecosystem? There is certainly a lot of noise of, of, um, of a recession, and I won't pretend to make any kind of um, prediction. It will one, likely be wrong, and, and two, the range of possible outcomes given all kind of the many macroeconomic variables that surround us, that, that range of possible outcomes is, is wider than I've ever seen it um, today. And so, you know, I think much of what I've discussed as it relates to the payments industry, the focus right now, it's on 
speed, it's on ease of use, it's on efficiency, it's on simplicity, it's on real time. I think all of this development poises us and the payments industry very well to respond to to whatever scenario we may land on. Um, so as I think about you know my role um, and and the implications to the industry and how can I prepare such that we're ready, um, it goes back to that that scenario analysis and making sure that that I understand what could the range of outcomes potentially be. Spend slowing down, consumer health changing, business health changing, business um, footprint shrinking, whatever that, whatever it might be, um, the range of outcomes is out there. And so, making sure that we're prepared for the multitude of scenarios, we're thinking through it, um, is is what I think is is the most important right now. And and I think the fact that um, as we push through the pandemic. Um, and as we've moved along with the payments industry, we've learned to be pretty darn agile in the way that we work. And I think that'll benefit us in the industry um, as we prepare for uh, whatever might lie ahead. But, but I do think, I think we're poised very well uh, for whatever it might be. For women in leadership, what are some of the biggest changes you've seen recently in advancing more women in finance and payments? Unfortunately, so first of all, I should say that I am very passionate um, about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and in particular, uh, women in leadership. And I, I know and I have personally experienced the good that comes from diverse voices at the table, and not just at the table, participating in dialogue, feeling as though our voice matters and knowing that that we matter. And this is an unfortunate of the pandemic. It didn't help us. Um, in terms of gender diversity, there's been a statistic um, floating around that pre-pandemic, one in four women were looking to opt out of the workforce. It's now one in three. Um, and I'm seeing this. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I'm proud. I have um, tried to elevate the focus at U.S. Bank and um, I was the founding program sponsor for what we've called Women in Payments Leadership. And it goes um, beyond the typical large group format style of career coaching. And it's it focused on a small supportive cohort um, that, that um, specifically worked on allyship by way of appointing sponsorships to each uh, participant individualized talent development um, through 360 development sessions with professional co coaching, and then opportunity for specific networking and discussion opportunities amongst the cohort with the goal of providing tools, real tools, to help women navigate the key challenges um, that we face. And um, the program was, was very, very successful. Um, I think the size, I think giving women the space to talk about very openly and authentically the challenges that we face, um, appointing um, sponsors and asking for male allyship along the way led to those um, successes. So, you know, I, I have a deep passion for ensuring that we continue to elevate DEI in all of our conversations. Um, and I challenge myself every day in my role to bring my voice. Um, I do it personally, I do it professionally. I'm a mom of three girls. 
Um, and and so I am constantly trying to show up in this equation. It will take ongoing intentionality to move the needle, to not let us slip backwards with women in the workforce, um, and to continue showing up at the table in the conversation and real contributors um, to, to success in the organization. You've mentioned being very passionate about advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion, and rightly so. You've touched upon some of the um, investments and advancements that you've made within uh, U.S. Bank itself. But could you talk about some of the challenges you faced when addressing DE&I uh, conversations in the financial services sector? Yeah, and I don't, uh, I don't think it's specific to the financial services sector. I think. Uh, the challenges in these conversations um, surround us. And um, I think, you know, in my mind, um, it's about authenticity and it's about transparency and showing up in that way with your team. Um, I think the pandemic is, is actually a great example of, of why this this matters, I think, anyhow. It hit us all hard, work radically changed. Um, we all quickly transitioned to uh, working at home. And our kids, if you have kids, our kids are at home. You may have elders you take care of who are experiencing COVID um, or you couldn't see them because of COVID. Um, so there were all kinds of work-life pressures that just intensified in that, in that period of time. And, and many uh, women took on the online schooling, the personal care, um, many of the things that, that went with that. And, and I have to be real, I struggled at the start of the, the pandemic at, well, uh, at first as well. And I had to quickly remember two things um, with my team. And, and it, to me, it was that it's not always about balance. So we talk so often about work-life balance and it's not a balanced scale. To me, it's about integration um, and making sure that, that the conversations are authentic and real and you allow for that space and that transparency around um, the tipping of the scale conversations. So maybe I need to pay more attention to home right now and I gotta tip the scale that way. Maybe work is really heavy right now and I need to skip tip the scale that way. But in the end, it's about that integration. And then um, the other is perfect is the enemy of good. Um, especially women, we chase perfect. And, and it holds us back and it paralyzes us. And uh, it is the enemy of good. Oftentimes good is great. Um, and so those thoughts became and have become, I continue to keep them as my North Stars. Um, we keep rallying. Uh, I continue to give my team and, and myself permission to focus on what needs the greatest in the moment and just making sure that that we know as a workforce there's compassion there's honesty there's transparency all of those things are in the forefront um, and i think that helps elevate the dei de and i conversations the challenges that are in front of us and keeps us in it with each other um, versus viewing opting out as, as the only option. You touch upon the challenges that come with a remote remote work model. And I have some follow-up questions here for you on those challenges. Do you have any advice that you can share about leading a successful team during this time? How have you navigated those challenges throughout the pandemic? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I talked about several of those, um, Shabani, and, and to me, it's it's um, it's it's giving the permission and the space um, to to have the conversation about what's important in the moment, um, and and recognizing the challenges of of working from home and what that that might mean. Um, and I I do I just think that. Um, I think that the the opening up those conversations and the authenticity um, that I model enabled others to show up in that same way, and it really has changed the dynamic of the conversation. I feel like, um, and now here we are. I don't know what what the new normal is of the work environment, um, but I do know there's a new normal forming. Whether it's hybrid. I'm in my office today. I'm at home on certain days as well. So, so there is a hybrid model. Um, and, um, you know, I think that, that as we define the new normal, it'll be us together that defines it. And it's only going to be the voices in total that make it the best. So I think we do have to, to continue to create space for all voices to come to the table and help define the, the best working model of, of tomorrow, which probably looks different. Um, I think likely looks very different than pre-pandemic, um, but I don't know exactly where where it lands. And on the topic of leading a team, be it virtually or physically, there is a question here that asks, what skills do you look for when hiring for your finance team? The skills, I talked earlier about the, the changing dynamics of the, the finance organization, and I think the hard skills still exist. So your, your hard accounting skills, um, but the, the soft skills come into play so much more as we become the forefront of leading conversation, um, the ability to be agile in development and thought, the, abil the ability to be courageous in conversation. So I often, you know, I'm not looking for um, um, for active, um, you know, I want active participants in the conversations, not necessarily people just observing. Um, and that takes, that that is a skill, that, that kind of ability to have a courageous, um, the, the ability to be courageous in your conversation and to bring your voice forward. Um, I think also um, it's it's uh, it's how how someone navigates through change and asking questions around change um, is is a common. Um, so if I think about how my my interview questions would have changed, years of the past would have been a lot more technical. Give me an example of a project that you might have led or talk to me about this technical advancement or talk to me about this technical accounting standard. The questions of tomorrow are a lot more around, help me understand thought, what does thought leadership mean to you? Um, talk to me about what a conversation um, might sound like in accounting today. What kinds of things might, might we be contributing to? Um, so it's, it's it, the, the skills are, are there on the resume and the interviews are much more focused on those soft skills that we really need um, to show up to be those ca that catalyst of change that I talked about that the, the industry that, that the business is demanding of us and then that ability to move quickly are, um, are things that I, I need to look for as I'm building team today.
topic of being bold enough to have your conversations and your thoughts heard, there's a question here that asks, where do you see the biggest opportunity for finance professionals to lead in strategic conversations? It's everywhere. It's really. everywhere. Really. Um, I think the the strategic you know, strategy can be anywhere from what do we think um, the strategies are of a particular business line at a business level, all the way down to products within it, and then uh, investments needed to advance both the business and the products within it. Um, so, you know, as I think about the contributions that that I bring to the table, um, it is so much more around strategy today um, than anything technical um, that comes with it. Um, but we're it, it's all over the place. It's it's product development, it's investment, it's co-creation with. Um, with customers in use cases that we now develop together and push to the market. Um, it's also thinking about, um, you know, pricing and strategy and, and everything else um, as it relates to um, financial results and, and growth. Um, Thank you so much for being able to take these questions. I'm going to switch gears a little bit now. Uh, there's a question here from the audience that talks a little bit about corporate treasurers. And it asks that there is a big push by corporate treasurers for real-time payment solutions. Can you speak a little bit on the industry's roadmap for that? And how is U.S. Bank responding? Yeah. Um so I think I talked a lot about um, some different use cases in real-time payments earlier, and those are just a few. So, it, you know, I, I think a difference of today to yesterday is this use case concept and this idea that that corporates are putting forward, here's, here's the use case I'm thinking about. How do you make it happen? And together we co-create and we develop and we push, push out the advancement in a much faster way than we have um, historically. And so I think there, the, the list of, of use cases, it, it takes prioritization. Um, so prioritization is extremely important because there, the, the desires and the want from so many is not short. Um, I, I, people are seeing and feeling the advantages of the advancements of payments, much of which revolves around digitization, revolves around right here, right now. Um, revolves around ease of use, revolves around simplicity. You know, those things and, and the new things that we experience every day as consumers, it's all of a sudden I want that in my business life. Um, so I think it, to me, that's the, the biggest piece. Um, and the roadmap, it's hard to say, where am I turning tomorrow? Because the, the opportunities for development are so many, all leaning in those topics and those themes I've been talking about. Um, but, the, but the roadmap varies. The innovation hubs are, are, are big um, and, and um, they're multifaceted and, and we're thinking about development um, opportunity across the, the spectrum. So it's not as 
siloed anymore, but how do we use this development opportunity to advantage your customers across the spectrum, whether you're a consumer, a small business, or a large corporate? Can the, can the use case, can the development um, be duplicated, replicated, whatever you want to call it, um, such that it's, it's multifaceted in its use? So um, I would say that to me is, is, I can't name the precise roadmap, um, but it's long and it's it's full of desires in the form of use cases that, that people would like. What is the best path towards becoming CFO of a large business like US Bank Payment Services? What types of roles would you recommend? The best path, I would say there's not one path. Um, and that's very important. Um, and I think especially, um, you know, one piece of advice I always give young professionals um, as, I, as I engage and mentor, and that is um, the path can wind, the path can ebb and flow, um, and don't be so focused on a singular soul path that you don't see the experiences around you that may inform a right turn or a left turn um, as you seek to advance. Um, with all of that in mind, um, I think a, C a CFO, and, and I was advised this myself, um, because of, of where we are headed in our contributions to the organization and that strategic lens that I, I talked to you about, that catalyst for growth, as much catalyst for growth as, as um, our business partners, um, it's so important to gain a wide range of experiences. So, you know, don't just get stuck in the accounting piece of it. Maybe go explore in um, supporting a product unit. Um, go explore in um, supporting the operations. Go explore in supporting maybe some of your front end call center. Um, and, and sometimes that means that we may have to take a lateral move um, and as we take those lateral moves, um, we extend our capabilities such that when we are able to take an upward movement, the, the upward movement can, can sometimes be propelled because our, our basket of experiences is, is got so much in it. Um, so I would not be narrow in, in what I experience. Um, industries are important and industries are becoming a little agnostic as well. Uh, what do I mean by that? Um, before, a long time ago, if I was in manufacturing, I was going to stay in manufacturing. If I was in banking, I was going to stay in banking. And now the experiences and what advances us, it's the digitization, it's the agility, it's those things that I talked about. And so it's that skill set versus the industry um, expertise that is so needed to advance and to, to not be afraid if that means that geez, I think I want to go experience something in this area. It's going to give me um, a different experience to add to my basket so that when I do want to elevate, I've got that wider range um, to bring to the table and to offer. So um, don't be narrow in scope. Uh, actually get as wide as you can and um, and focus on, on the whole spectrum of the business because in accounting and finance and as a CFO, you touch the entire spectrum of the business, front to back.
Thanks, Christy. So now we're going to move in towards the Q&A component of our conversation here. We have had some questions trickle in, and there's one that I do want to ask you, which reads, how do you differentiate the benefits of the payment services that you provide to your customer partners from those provided by some of the full-service independent payment processing partners in the market, like Stripe and Stacks? Yeah, it's a it's a great question, and it's um, it brings me back to where I started the conversation. And why is payments so important to U.S. Bank? Um, it is it is um, what sets us apart. Um, so the fact that we have uh, we have accounts payable, we have accounts receivable on the payment side, we have deposits, we have loans, we have we have all your banking services on the banking side. And what consumers and businesses businesses alike are looking for now is it's that full suite. Of, of products and services such that it's integrated, it's um, it's dynamic, it's there for you, it's easy to use. Um, it's you can you can also use the data to provide insights. Um, and so I think that that weaving together of banking and payments that we're so focused on is the advantage that we bring. The safety and soundness and the control environment with the bank um, is also uh, an advantageous um, piece that we offer, being who we are. Um, so I think, you know, it's it's um, it's it's what makes us unique, and uh, we do believe it's so very important, and why we are focused on making sure that we we do weave our payments businesses and banking together to offer that full suite of simple, easy to use products for the customer. The biggest difference between your largest and small business corporate customers when it comes to digital priorities? It's a good question. Um, uh, you know, um, I think they, the there's, there are actually more similarities than differences. I hate to answer it that way. Um, but, you know, just like we talked about the consumerization of payments. So what do, what do our businesses want, big or small? It's, it's that, that same experience. How you develop, who's involved, that differs based on the size of the organization, how quickly something may get out, um, the scale at which somebody, an entity may need something um, may be different. But as far as what um, the business world is chasing, um, I hate to keep, I, I feel like I sound like a broken record, I keep saying these same buzz phrases, but it is frankly all the, the same things. Um, but it, it comes down to, in my mind, um, the scale at which you deliver it and, and how the organization might prioritize a specific use case over another based on the capability um, that they already have, um, I think is, is what differentiates um, between your small and your large, your small, your medium, and your large, to be honest. You've talked about co-creating payment services with your customers. What does that look like? Yeah, um, so I, I mean, it looks like a hub of, um, of uh, and, and that hub has participants from the business, participants uh, on our side, um, both business, technology, digital, um, finance, accounting, um, and, and it's the, um, it, it's the hearing of the need by us who hope to answer and deliver to the need 
and making sure that that what we're creating answers um, the need of who's at the table with us. And, uh, you know, as we are able to test the push the use case and test doing that um, in an aligned and together fashion as well uh, is what I mean by that. Um, so it's, it's really the bringing together the hearing, offering the opportunity to hear from customer the need and to develop to the need. This does come to the close of the end of our discussion today. Before I hand it back over to Boyana to wrap us out, I do want to ask if you have any closing remarks, uh, words of wisdom, or any perhaps words of advice for our attendees and audience here today. Um, you know, I think I've, I've definitely said any word of wisdom that I, I may have. It's been a great uh, pleasure to be here in this conversation. Um, like I said, albeit virtually, I, I'm pretending that I can see all of the participants, um, but, but thank you for participating and uh, it's been a great conversation.